Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It has been quite a while since we have had a conference call. So we are holding Parshas Nayach, and we're going to now begin learning the halachas of Hamaitzi. And uh, this is going to take a couple of weeks. We're going to start this week with what is the correct bracha to make on wraps and lafas, which are, you know, the much thicker form of a wrap the kind that's popular in Israeli pizza shops where they put the whole pizza store into that wrap. So we'll try to figure out what the bracha, correct bracha is on those two. The truth is that the halachas of when to make a hamaytzi and when to make a mezainis are complex. There are three different categories of bread products in halacha. So we're going to address one category this week, and Mitzvah Hashem will continue in the coming weeks. The three categories of bread products are bread, simple bread, Pas habarbikistin, which we'll explain in a minute, and non-bread grain products, which uh, kind of resemble bread, but yet halachically are not bread at all. If something is bread, the first category, like your standard rye bread that you would buy in the grocery, then you have to make a hamaytzi on it, and it doesn't make a difference how much you eat. Even if you eat a tiny crumb, you need to make a hamaytzi, and if you eat a sufficient amount, you need to wash and bench as well. That's the first category. So when it's real bread, then its brachas remain the same no matter quantity makes a difference. is literally translated bread brought to accompany kisnen. Bread, pas, habab kisnen. It comes along with kisnen. What was kisnen? Kisnen was a popular dessert in the Gemara's times. So it's bread that comes along with dessert. So we could call it for short dessert bread. Passabakisnin is Vizinus, unless one is Kevea Suda, which means either eating a sufficient amount of it, large amount, or using it in the place of real bread. And should you do that, if you're Kevea Suda, you do wash and make a Hamaitzi and bench. And Passabakistan will dis- discuss as Hashem in a future share its parameters and its qualifications and its halachas. Those are the first two categories. The last category, which is the one that we're going to be discussing today, is non-bread products, which seem like bread but yet aren't bread, and that's the question of wraps. And in this category, if you're truly not a bread product, you don't qualify as bread according to halacha, then you don't make a hamaiti no matter how much you eat. It's just not bread. Then this is uh, what we're going to try to figure out. So in order for something to be considered bread, so that we would have to wash, make hamaytzi, and bench, it must meet the following three qualifications. If we're going to call it bread, it has to have these three qualifications. Number one, it has to be made of the five grains, uh, wheat, rice, spelt, oats, or, um, uh, or, or uh, barley. So it has to be made of one of those five. Number two, it has to have been baked, not cooked nor fried. It has to have been baked. And baked means, in this case, without water. It has to be, have been baked without water. It doesn't necessarily have to be in an oven. It can be on a frying pan, but it has to have been without water or without oil. If it's cooked or fried, it's not bread. And number three, it has to have the appearance of bread, which is called suras lachem. It has to have the appearance of bread. So, for example, rice bread, if it's just made out of rice flour, is not hamaytzi because it isn't made of the five grains. And although it's baked and might resemble bread, it is not hamaytzi no matter how much you eat. Donuts, will never be hamaytzi, even if you eat 10 donuts and you overdose on donuts because they aren't baked. They're fried. They're fried in oil. 
And the last category is the tricky one to qualify. If something is of the five grains, it has been baked, but it doesn't resemble bread due to the method of its baking of, of baking or its consistency. So there also it's not how might and this is a little hard because the Gemara, when it wants to explain to us what has Surah and what does resemble bread and what doesn't resemble bread, so the Gemara goes and gives us examples of foods that they used to eat. And of course, we don't know exactly what those foods look like, so it makes it difficult to determine this halacha. It would be as if we would write about wraps and lafas, and then someone 500 years from now, when those things have long gone out of style, won't have any idea what we're talking about. So that's the problem. So now, the question is, do wraps fall under this last category or not? If they lack the identity of bread, if they don't resemble bread, then you wouldn't make hamaytzi on it, no matter how much you ate, even though it's serving as the bread of your meal. But if it does have the identity of bread, if it does resemble bread, then you, on the contrary, you'd make hamaytzi even on a little bit. So it's either totally bread or it's not bread at all. So in halacha, we find two examples of quasi-breads. These, uh, this third category. So one is a crepe. A crepe is very, very thin, and it's made with uh, a liquidy batter. That's how you make it. So you pour it on, and it, it ends up being really, really, really thin. Uh, it's often made with eggs, but uh, it can be made with flour and water as well. That's one kind of thing. And then another example the Gemara gives is much more like a pancake, which is also made with a batter, but it has a much thicker consistency, and it has much more body. It's thick. You can even measure the thickness, you know, it's, it's, it, and it, it kind of holds itself because of its thickness. And wraps fall in between these two items. They're thicker than a standard crepe, and you can kind of peel it in half, and uh, you'll see the two sides of it, and in the middle it has like a kind of bread-like consistency, so it's thicker than a standard crepe, but yet they are thinner, thinner and floppier than a pancake. Wraps also differ that they're made from a dough. It's just rolled out very thinly, but they aren't made from a batter. Now, get, thinking of these three things, the Shulam writes that crepes are not hamaytzi at all, even if you eat a lot of them. They're too thin and too floppy, and that's why they don't resemble bread, because they're thin and floppy. That's the aspect. Those are the qualities that make it different than bread. Bread is thick. Bread has body. And pancakes, however, the Shulchan Aruch says, or something similar to that, are hamaytzi. So now we know we have one end, a baseline, that crepes are not hamaytzi, and we have another, on the other end, we have a baseline, that pancakes are hamaytzi, and wraps are in the middle, and we don't know the status of wraps. Some pies can maintain that it does resemble bread, and you should wash and bench on them. In addition, they throw in another svara, which is, you have to know if there is a source for this far, but they bring a point that it is, in a large part of the world, it is treated as bread. It is the bread of a large part of the world. In Spanish countries, Mexico, and even in Israel, that's kind of what people eat. And others say that, no, it's not a bread. It's too close to a crepe. It's too thin. It's too floppy. And you don't wash. You don't make hamaytzi. And you don't bench. So it's a suffix. So what do you do when something is a suffix? So one thing you could do is uh, wash on bread, and then you'll, by default, cover whatever the halacha is with the wrap. But obviously, that kind of defeats the whole purpose of a wrap, which is to avoid eating bread. Personally, I make a mezainus on them, which is a sack I heard from a, a Pisic when I was in Lakewood, and there was a number of other chashvah Pisic that hold that as well. Probably Asher officially held like that. 
But the justification to make a mezainus is as follows. You are yoytze when you make a mezainus, even if it is bread. Even if really the bracha should be hamaytzi, you are yoytze when you make a mezainus. But if you make a mezainus on bread, you'd be yoytze. So you're safe making a mezainus. And as far as benching as well, according to some paiskim, you're yoytze if you make an alamichya in the place of benching. So if I make a mezainus and I make a alamichya on wraps, even should the correct bracha be hamaytzi, I'm yoytze with my mezainus, and should the correct bracha be birchas hamazin, I'm also yoytze b'dyevet, according to some paiskim, by making my alamichya. So being that it's a question, and I do hear the argument strongly that it should not be hamaytzi, so... I, play, I consider it safe to make a mezainus on it and al-michyon. That's what people ask me. I also say you can make a mezainus and al-michyon on a wrap. Now, it's important to understand that the status of wraps as a bread also affects its kashrus. And that's because if wraps are bread, which means you make a hamaiti and you bench, then they're subject to the rules of pas akum, when they're made by goyim. If wraps are not bread, then they fall under a whole different category. Then they're subject to the rules of bishal akum. You see, because bishal akum doesn't necessarily mean cooking. Bishal akum means anything that's not bread is bishal akum. So if wraps are not bread, then they're subject to the rules of bishal akum. Now, pas akum is permitted to be eaten all year long outside of a sarasimei even though it's made by a guy. Pas akum is okay. So if you treat the wraps like bread, even though you're being kind of perhaps machmir and washing and benching on it, but you are gaining, so to speak, a leniency regarding its kasher status, that it's pasakum. Whereas if you don't consider it bread and you make a mezainus on it, then it becomes a question of bishalakum, and bishalakum is, is not permitted. So if you want to make, uh, consider wraps and mezainus and not bread, we have to ensure it's kosher and not bishalakum. So one option is to only buy the Jewish brands of wraps. There are Yossi's wraps, there are a number of wraps which have a Jewish brand, and those are Bishli Yisrael and Pas Yisrael, so you avoid that problem. However, even if you buy the non-Jewish brand, which largely here that's kind of the only thing you can get a hold of, there are two arguments to rely on that it's still not an issue, it's still kosher. Why? One is that wraps aren't considered means they aren't a chashuv uh, kind of bread. They're not, they would never be served in, for, in place of bread by a chasana, by a, uh, a fancy dinner. So therefore, it doesn't have, it's, it's excluded from the problem of bishalakum. When something is not when it's not chashuv, it's excluded from the problem of bishalakum. So that would be, that would be one reason why it's not a problem. And the, that is the truth, that wraps are, in reality, they're a fast food item. That's what they are. The second justification is that wraps need to be heated in order to eat them, and at least that's what they always do in restaurants. They always heat it or grill it before they serve it, and that, in this case, would be done by a Jew, namely yourself, so that would be a hazard. So if you do heat them up before you eat them, so then you, that's another, according to some, that's another way around the Bishalakum problem. So if you make a hamaiti and you consider wraps a bread, then this whole problem is not a problem. Just don't eat it during... Um, don't eat during Sarasimei uh, Tshuva. But if you make a mezainus and Al-Mechen, you're considering it not to be bread, then this issue of Bishul Yisrael has to be dealt with. with either you buy a Jewish brand or we rely on this svara that it's not Choshev, it's not El or you eat it yourself. Now, in contrast to all this, 
lafas, which are the thick kind, right, which, they, like I was saying, is popular in the Israeli pizza shops. So those are definitely hamaytzi. Why? Because they are thicker and more like a pancake. So again, everything we've been discussing is the third category. It's the category of is something bread at all. It has nothing to do with pasta with pizza or mezzanus rolls. Nothing to do with that. This is a whole different discussion. Is this the question here is perhaps it's not bread at all. And that's why if it's not bread, then even if you eat a lot of it, even though it's serving in the place of bread, you still don't make amaitzi because it's simply not bread. And that's the question. And there with with this information you can make a choice how you want to um to what how you want to treat wraps. Turning to Pasha's Noyach. Noyach was given an enormous job. He was charged with saving and preserving the planet. He spent a whole year in the Teva working nonstop, caring and feeding and tending all the animals created by Hashem. The Pasik references this by saying, Mikol Hachai, Mikol Basar, from all living things, all flesh, Shnai Mikol, two of each, bring to the table, and then it says, to keep alive together with you, together with you, and the Ramban explains, what does that mean, together with you? It means that you should be as dedicated to keeping the animals alive as you are to keeping yourself alive. You should give it an equal amount of effort. The same amount of effort you put into keeping yourself alive, use that amount of effort and mysterious nefesh to keep the animals alive. Now, this is fascinating. We know that according to the terrorist outlook, animals are here to serve humans. We can kill animals as we see necessary, although we can't cause unnecessary pain and can't destroy wantonly. It's about hashkas, but they are here for our pleasure and our use. So why would the terror require Nayak to dedicate his life to saving animal species and kind of give it an equal importance as maintaining his own life? So the Sefer Chidushe Halev explains this in a really enlightening way. He writes that it's true. Animals don't rate as important as humans. But that wasn't the point here. The reason Nayak had to give his life for this purpose is because it was his mission. It was his calling. Hashem charged him with keeping all of animal life alive on this planet. And that's why he had to dedicate his life and give it all he had to accomplish his purpose. It was the point of his life. It was his personal mission in life. He quotes a Gra in Mishlei who writes that every person is unique and different in appearance, right? Truthfully, down to every facet of our existence, we differ from one another. We're thumbprints, retinas, hair patterns, everything. Everything about us is unique. And likewise, we all have unique and characteristics and nature, and therefore we all have a special mission in life that matches our nature and characteristics and strengths. When there were Nevi'im, the Gra writes, we would go to a Navi, and he would help us understand what Hashem wants from us. Once Nevi'im stopped, the Gra writes, every Jew has a measure of Ruach HaKodesh, which helps us understand what Hashem wants from us. It's hard to imagine. Every Jew, he says, has Ruach HaKodesh. It's amazing. However, the Gra warns that it's very easy to corrupt that message through our own personal negias, our desires, what we would like to be true, Although deep in our heart we know it's not true, and therefore he entreats everyone to just try and follow the mitzvahs of the Torah. That's what the Gros says. So now you look at that, you try to figure this out. How are we supposed to decipher what our mission in life is? So the Chedush HaLev says there are two components to this, two ways 
that we have to approach this. Number one, he says, we should try to be as honest and truthful with ourselves as we can. So generally this involves seeking guidance and mentorship from others but who, who can be objective, but most importantly, it's dependent on our own personal desire to know the truth. If we really want to know the truth, we'll be able to tease it out, and, and we'll be able to figure out what's right and what's wrong. We'll recognize when something is our pride talking or our bed talking, if it's a question of laziness, or our stomach talking when we're hungry, or whatever other forces are pulling on us. We'll know the difference, and we'll recognize it. But more importantly, he writes that what we really need to do is observe Hashem's hashkocha in our lives. If Hashem places us in certain position, He's communicating to us. That's what I want you to be doing. Hashem will manipulate the world so that we're positioned exactly where we need to be. And more often than not, the clarity of what we should be doing comes from the following from, comes from following halacha. If Hashem puts us in a situation where we kind of have the semblance of a choice, but if we follow the Torah, we realize there's only one choice, and that's what Hashem wants us to do, and that's our mission. As humans, we have this tendency to question ourselves all the time. Am I doing what I should be doing? Should I be doing a different job? Should I be pursuing a dream? Should I be living somewhere else? And these thoughts can really confuse us and at the very least make us unhappy with our lives, and worse, cause sometimes people to make upheaval in their lives unnecessarily or worse. And there's a large measure of bitachin and trust in Hashem when we accept the place He positioned us in and realize that this is our mission. And Hashem wants us to give our lives towards this goal. Now you think a little bit about Nayach. Nayach's mission was world-changing. And every person's mission is world-changing, if they know it or not. Now, do you think that Nayach felt like he was saving the world? He was stuck in a dark teva for a year with thousands upon thousands of smelly animals, and he was busy 24-7 taking care of them. And you know what that means. It's shoveling food into the cages and shoveling other stuff out. How holy did he feel at that moment? Yet we know he was single-handedly preserving life on this planet. He was the epitome of chesed, and that was his life's mission and accomplishment, but I don't think it felt like that. <laughs> Nayak might have wished his mission didn't involve caring for animals, and we also find ourselves wishing sometimes we had a different mission in life. But think of how disastrous it would have been if Nayak decided to abandon him and not feed the animals, instead to learn some other trade or who knows what, to follow his dream, right? That's how important it is to follow the direction Hashem is pushing us in and accept with bitachin that this is the most important and valuable thing for us to do. Have a good night and a wonderful Shabbos.